Welcome to the TEDx Santa Barbara podcast, a behind-the-scenes view of our upcoming TEDx. We talk to team leaders, designers, and past speakers to give you insight into the inner workings of the show. Each conversation will offer you an interesting dimension of TEDx to help you better appreciate this amazing all-volunteer effort. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host and producer of TEDx Santa Barbara. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Uh, This week, I am staying in California, and I'm going down to San Diego. For those of you unfamiliar, as you know, this is the first part of the show where I do a little bit of geography. San Diego is at the very southern part of California. I'm up in the middle part of of Santa Barbara, which is in the middle part of California. And I have Mariette. Formo de Sartel. Did I say, did I get that even close, Mariette? Close enough. It's a, and I laugh because I'm like, this is why I just go by Mariette because um, my last name is Formo de Sartel. See, yeah, there you go. I'll, I will let you say your, <laughs> but, but see, you say Mariette. Mariette? Yes. Okay, good. I got it right. And uh, you have been doing uh, TEDx Donovan Correctional uh, mm-hmm. for the last two years. And first off, well, welcome to the show. I'm, ju- I'm thrilled to have this conversation. We, uh, we met at TED Fest in 2018, I believe. Is that right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So well, tell us, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I want to spend this, you know, the whole show talking about the challenges of doing TEDx in prison. We've had um, your co-organizer on your first show was, was Mark mm-hmm. uh, from TEDx San Diego. Uh, and, so he was the one who kind of introduced me to this idea, you know, that you could do that. And then uh, we've, we've had the woman uh, from the UK who did the first one uh, up in mm-hmm. the UK and in, in uh, Leicester. Um, and so I'm going to guess that it's a small community of TEDx organizers that have worked in prisons. Is that true? That is correct. Um, uh, there's what 3000 organizers, maybe 2,500 2, organizers of TEDx, no, 3,000 organizers of TEDx around the world, and only about, and my, the numbers change regularly, so my numbers may not be completely up to date, but as of, you know, um, six to 12 months ago, there was only 20 to 30 TEDx's have ever been held in prison, or in some correctional facility. And what was it that got you to do that? I mean, was it Mark coming to you, or was it you going to know. Mark, or how did it work? Um, no, the, the story starts, um, actually on a summer day in 2015 and, um, I, I was meditating, um, and I quite literally heard during my meditation, go to prison. Wow. And, um, and like any rational business engineer, you know, logical person, I said, yeah, no. (laughs) And, um. And I, there was no instigation. There was no reason. There was nothing there. And so my entire, like, you know, rational mind said, there's no way. Like, and so I totally pushed it away. And as I always say, the more I push it away, the more it called me in. And, um, and so finally, I kind of threw my hands up in the air. I was like, okay, fine. And I Googled prisons in San Diego. And um, having never even thought of the space, I have a background of, um, you know, business and, and developing uh, innovative products for problems like cancer and access to electricity and education. And on one side and on the other, I have a very strong 
history of service and uh, spent 20 years of my life in poverty alleviation. And so why would I throw away my 20 years there and you know, being considered by some an expert in rural India to go to prison? And But um, one, I put one foot in front of the other and next thing I knew I was stepping into Donovan State Prison, which is our state prison here in San Diego. And when I walked into this world that is really degrading and demeaning and dehumanizing in which we lock up the people we consider to be inhumane, I found from the very first day this unbelievable richness in humanity. And, um, and from the very beginning, I was like, wow, this needs to be shared. And I'm a, I'm a TEDx and TED junkie, you know, the, clearly I'm in the community of a lot, some people are a lot more than I am, but, you know, and, and so I saw right away um, TEDx is a platform that can create a conversation between these disconnected worlds. And, and so that's what led to the creation of, of TEDx on and Correctional um, was, was that intent and desire. And from the, the very beginning, the intent was also uh, that, it was going to be an event organized by the men inside. It's an it's an event. Donovan's a men's prison, so I talk about the men. Um, you know, it's 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 an event for the men, by the men, with the men, entirely organized by them. And so we we show up as facilitators and and a support to to the to the um, realization of their vision and their dream. Tell me um, what your pitch was to the person who made the decision to let you do this. Um, you know, it's, it, I remember driving down and, uh, and, and so the, 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 I, I knew Mark because, um, first of all, you know, it's TEDx San Diego. And of course I go to TEDx events, so I know TEDx San Diego, but also I, um, was one of the sponsors of the event, um, my, the, the companies to work for. And so that was originally, I would say that's what got us together. Wine kept us together. Um, and, um, and so when, you know, and there was this magical moment that of connection of serendipity around, around this, this idea that happened with Mark. And, and so Mark offered to come down with me and have that conversation with the administration concerned that he was by far the expert on all things TEDx. And, um, and we drove down and I remember telling him, I have no idea if we're stepping into the jaws of a lion or the cuddle of a kitten. And, um, and so we went down there, we just shared, you know, the, the, the vision, what, what does TEDx stand for? Um, our, you know, my vision for it. And then talking through some of the logistics of what that would entail. And, um, and we were really surprised to have a very open and, and receptive response. And considering that, you know, organizing a TEDx in prison is nothing like the prison was used to doing and the system is used to, to aligning with and accepting. As our, our listeners thinking right now, then their heads exploding around just, there's so many different challenges uh, to doing that. I think conceptually the idea that it wasn't you were going to produce an event and bring it to them and stage it there. It was, they're going to do 100% of it. So I'm thinking of the, the person who's listening right now saying, man, I, I, I would really love to do that. What, what's the first thing that you kind of have to, that's different. Let's, let's focus on the differences because everyone who listens to the show understands how to do 
the regular show or a youth show or a women's show or a live stream or a salon. So we've, we've talked about that for 70 episodes and they all know it. Let's talk about the Delta. Um, gosh, they're everywhere. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm guessing they yeah. are. So, um, yeah, again, so we're going to take as a given that everyone knows what it takes to put on a TEDx and just logistical elements that are there that are already in of themselves challenging. Um, running a, a volunteer team, the, the coordination, the, the work that goes into it, the creativity. Uh, the, the number one thing is that it's in prison. And so, so, so what that means on a, on a high level is we cannot lift a pinky in that place. We cannot bring a piece of paper in or out. We can't do a thing without review and pre-approval of the administration. And so, so to, to believe that, you know, we have any sense of control <laughs> is, is it, we don't. Every single decision is approved by the administration. And, um, and, and we don't lift a finger in that environment without, without first, you know, um, going, you know, seeing that with them. Everything needs to be approved. Everyone who comes in from volunteers to speakers to attendees has to be background checked and what we call cleared, um, and and no one is allowed, nothing and no one is allowed to be inside the prison without supervision. So imagine all the stage, pipe and drape, AV equipment, um, you know, that comes in, that's really hot commodity out on the yard, you know, and, um, and all of that, uh, you know, not a, not a, not a bolt can disappear, not a pen can disappear because of the consequences that could be on the yard. So, um, so that's at a high level uh, where, where the mind shift is the greatest and where we have to really shift our minds as to how do we become creative and, and run this in a way that is um, safe throughout the organization, safe throughout the actual event, and then safe afterwards. And when I talk about safety, and the guys hear me say, say, about, say this all the time, and the guys is our organizing core team of about 10 to 15 people, depending on, on, on you know, where we're at in the ebb and flow. Um, you know, when the, the guys hear me say this all the time, that safety is not just for those of us that are present in this moment. Safety is for everyone. And so this is a space that is meant to be 100% safe for everyone at all times, knowing that, you know, that's what creates tension. That's what creates um, the fact that where do we pl play with the, 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 the limit, the balance of safety of, of one another. And, and in that, in that, challenge and discomfort and and that's what we work in all the time and that's actually the space we we want to thrive in is that space where where we explore what safety is for everyone those in present in the room those not present um those that we're organizing the event for those that we're not organizing the event for etc when you like for for us the the beginning is always kind of the theme what what's the theme of the event and and then we kind of work backwards from that. So how, tell me how that theme went. And, and we'll kept back, I'm going to back up from that. How did you recruit That's the, the guys? Yeah. How did you, because <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, hold it. I'm just assuming you have a team. No, let's, <laughs> let's we're changing everything. So, um, so you, you get approved and then you, you explain to administration, this is what, this is what the whole thing looks like, and we need a we need a crew of the guys, as you call them, the guys. So, how did you assemble the guys? 
So by application, huh? uh, through application. And so we, we, the very first core team, um, we, you know, we put applications out on the yard and, uh, and then we reviewed those applications and we selected the, the 11 people, I think 10 or 11, I don't remember exactly what the first number was, um, that, that we felt were, were, um, you know, were the people that had that spark. Now, you know, did they have the logistics, you know, skill set or, or the, you know, planning skill set or the, um, you know, promotional skill set and all those things? Not necessarily. Um, but we, we saw in them a desire to create something greater than themselves. And, and which, you know, wasn't always self-evident because there's one guy um, who, um, is, is actually our last guy from original core team who's still with us. All the other ones have either moved to the lower security prison or are been released. And, um, and he, um, he wrote on his application on the question, what skills and capabilities do you have to bring to this project? He said, I have no skills and capabilities to bring. And, you know, and that shows kind of the, 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 the confidence and, and self-worth mindset of a lot of people in prison when, when they start this or, or on the beginning of this journey of, of, of self-transformation. Um, they just, they, they've been told their whole lives they're scum. And, um, and we lock them up telling them we're scum. Um, the, the system often tells them that they're, you know, not worth, you know, much of, you know, uh, you know, beyond the food that they eat, which is not great, apparently. Um, <laughs> um, and, and so, so that was the response we got from one of the guys. And he's like, why did you select me? And why? Because even in those words, we saw a desire to move past that. And, um, and so that's how we select um, the people who are part of the core team. And that, you know, that we, we've played around with which choices and which decisions do we give to the guys or leave to the guys and which ones do we keep for ourselves. And, and, and actually I have a beautiful story that, that around that, but we won't go there right now. Um, but one of the things that we've said is that we outside volunteers will keep the decision of who's on the core team. And um, because the dynamics that are at play when you're living in a microcosm of 750 men are too great to put them into that situation of having to make those kinds of decisions. It's not fair and it's not safe. And again, it's all about safety first and foremost. And, um, and so, so yeah, so that's how it happened is was off application. We met this first group of 10 guys, you know, first time we met them, they had no idea what they had just signed up for. We had no idea what we were doing because even though, we, you know, I'd attend a bunch of events. I'd seen a bunch of talks. Mark obviously has the experience of organizing a, a number of events. The fact of the matter is we were all in completely new territory. And, and so we took it as such. We're like, we're going to take this one day at a time. And, um, and so, and, but that first time, I mean, we had, you know, we had a multiracial um, group in prison. Races don't mix. And you can get very seriously hurt, if not killed, for engaging with another race. And here we have a group of men who are, are you know, multiracial in, in the room who are meant to engage, who we want to organize and, you know, get become a, a core tight team to organize as an event. You know, on top of that, some of them are, like I said, pretty broken. And, um, and another guy, not the one that I alluded to earlier, was literally rolled up in a ball. Um, it turns out he's six foot three and rolled up in the ball, which we didn't notice how tall he was until months later and couldn't take his eyes off the floor, not saying a sentence to us. And, 
But when he would open his mouth for like a half sentence per three hours we'd spend together, it was always brilliant. And, and so, you know, the, it was always like, okay, let's just give him the space to, to trust and, and open up. And little by little, we saw these men start shining and taking ownership and, and, and showing up in the most brilliant of ways and, and really taking on the entire organization. You know, the, the, idea, the, the event is ideated by them. So granted, we, we brought in some ideas um, and we early on, early on in the process, we ended up being invited to TEDx Marion Correctional in Ohio, the very first prison TEDx event to ever be held. And, and by then, they'd, they'd organized six TEDx events. And um, so we went there and, and, and spent the rehearsal day and the event day with the team, got to really get the experience as well as brainstorm with them what's worked, what hasn't worked. Uh, and, and we brought that back and, and, and were able to leverage off of what we had learned and expand on it. And just as a little quick side note, the organizer of TEDx Marion Correctional came to our first event. And it was fun for her to see the things we had incorporated from their event and put our twist on it. So for example, TED Expression, which we may talk about, is, is, was in, inspired by them. The idea comes from TEDx Marion. We're the ones that branded it TEDx, TED Expression. And, um, and since then, TEDx Perryville Correctional has taken it and others have taken it as, as a critical component of, of, um, of a, TEDx, a prison TEDx event. Tell me what TED Expression is. So um, it's, it's basically half of our TEDx day. So um, the format of our day is that, so again, it's prison. So um, people show up and usually have to wait a good hour to an hour and a half in line to get cleared. Um, we've seen other facilities that have been able to create another process that makes that go, go more, more quickly. But for us, it's still a, the, you know, um, in, um, the arduous process of, of getting, a, you know, a hundred and when you add volunteers and speakers, 150 people inside prison. And so because of that, we have what we call um, meet and greets, which is the time when people are just hanging out uh, while we wait for everyone to kind of sh- like fil- filter in. And they filter in with wa- walk and talk. I'm giving you all of our terms. The walk and talk is the, the men in blue, the, the residents from the inside. Some of them meet the um, outside attendees at the gates of their yard um, because a prison is typically broken up into a number of different quote, yards that are all t- completely airtight from each other. So they meet the um, the attendees at at their at the gates, and then they walk them through the yard, showing them you know their their their, their housing units, the, the the sports facilities, the weights, the culinary, the gym, the laundry, and just their life as we walk through the yard. Because it just so happens our TEDx Donovan Correctional Room is at the end of the end of, other end of the yard. So meet and greet, which is really fun to see, kind of the men in blue start engaging with the people not in blue and, and all the dynamics and emotions and things that happen there. And then we, we have our, our talks and half of our talks are given by, by men from the inside, um, which is a whole process of coaching them. And then half of them are given by um, people from the outside. Um, And, and with performances, like that's the more traditional TEDx piece, you know, anyone who goes to an event will experience that piece of it. And then for lunch, we break and we go into their culinary and we share a meal together, which is extremely rare in prison to share food. And, and over that lunch, we, the, there's a conversation between two men in blue and two people not in blue from the outside. 
And that's what we call TED expression, that engagement between two blue, two non-blue. And we have this whole way of um, having them sit down so to make sure that it's mixed and, and, um, and, and supported. Um, we have what we call communicators that are responsible for just facilitating the conversation in those, in those pods, as we call them. And after lunch, they come back into the TEDx room that's been completely changed to no longer be a you know, stage and, and, and audience um, layout, but, but you know, um, pods all over the room, four-person pods. And again, people are invited to fill up those pods and engage in other conversations. And then we break that up and we create um, open space and we have open space activities of, of conversation and communication. And finally, we close like every single session we have inside, we close with the closing circle. And this is a closing circle with the, you know, 100 people from the inside, 100 people from the outside, the 50 volunteers, staff, et cetera, speakers. And, um, and so it's a huge 250-person circle where we just share insights and, and acknowledgments. I'm, I'm just uh, amazed at the whole thing. Um, and, and just first off, thank you so much for your dedication to this. You can, you can feel this. You're, one of the things I've learned in talking to so many organizers and, and just in myself is why, you know, why do we do this as organizers? You know, why, why do we spend a thousand hours? And in your case, it's a thousand hours plus uh, just the, the layer of challenges. I'm not even going to ask what the challenge, a, a fun question I have is what are the challenges? And I just wrote down, it's in prison. What's the biggest, <laughs> what's, what makes your TEDx unique? It's in prison. Uh, so, so, so first off, thank you for that because we we know that it takes a lot. We all have our own individual reasons for going to do what we do, and you found a po- an underserved population uh, that would uh, benefit from this. And as my wife told me, as I was walking under the stage uh, TEDx Fargo last year, giving my own talk for the first time, she's because there were four thousand people in the audience, right? And you're scared. Everybody's scared. I don't care who you are. You're scared when you step into the red circle. Um, she said, remember, you only have to get to one person. Mm-hmm. If you get one person and create an overwhelming experience for them, then all of your work was worth it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that there was, there was kind of three audiences, right? The, I love the way the blue, the non-blue and the team, uh, for the blue, the hundred now I, I don't know I don't have a sense of how big Donovan Correctional is and was a hundred uh, a small percentage of the general pop or a large percentage. So Donovan is about forty five hundred men. Oh, so on, that's a lot of people. Yeah, on five different yards. And, and so how did the how did the hundred get selected? So 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 from forty five hundred we have five different yards. There's seven fifty on the A yard, which is the one we do TEDx on, and so. Um, so from that 750, we, we work with 100. And that's one of the challenges of a TEDx in prison is that um, these yards are completely airtight from each other. And so, um, so if we want the men on B yard to benefit from a TEDx, we have to organize a whole other you know, program, a whole other event there. And, um, and so um, I heard your question. You're, you're, you triggered another piece of it. Can, can I, uh, what, the part I wanted to address is the, and, but we can come back to your question, how we get to the hundred because it's actually an interesting. No, that's, that's, that's okay. Um, Just that airtight bit was really interesting. And so, so, yeah. And so the the part I, you you triggered for me was the, you know, the, 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 
don't know what word you use, I'm sorry, but the value for the three different um, entities you identified. And I actually would add a fourth. Oh. Um, and so, so the, and now that I think about it, well, anyways, let's, let's keep it simple, Maya. Let's keep it simple. <laughs> so first of all, um, as we say, the men in blue, the, the, the hundred men that are in the room and um, the, I mean, if we speak only about participating in the event, not talking about um, the actual team that organizes there, I mean, they they, they get a whole other layer of, of value. But if we talk about the people who are participating, when we did that closing circle, and I'll just use our first event as an example, but it's been repeated since then. And, and we have the same response um, from all of the four groups. So um, that first year, uh, when we did our closing circle, um, some of the men in blue stepped in and many of them shared, um, and specifically four of them shared a version of what one guy said, which is in my 20 years of incarceration, I have never been seen human until today. Wow. Okay. Wow. That changes a life. I'll tell you, just recently, a couple months ago, maybe, this, this random guy stops me on the yard and I recognize him, but I don't know him. Because you know, I, I spend so much time there now. I I, I recognize a lot of the guys, and um, and he stops me and he's like, "Mayat, I got to tell you something." I'm like, "Sure." He's like, "Your event changed my life." I'm like, "Well then, <laughs> thank you." And um, and and he goes on to the story. And again, I'll, I'll spare it for right now, just because um, time's sake. But it's an amazing story of restorative justice circle, um, and. Um, you know, he tells me this amazing story of what moved him. But he said, I've been in prison for 40 years. I'd forgotten that I can be human. I'd forgotten that I can engage with people from the outside in a convivial, you know, respectful, you know, and, 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 and respectful in both directions, not just him, but, you know, being res respected as well, um, being seen kind of way. And you have given me faith that that can happen. And, um, and, then, and then he went further. He's like, and by the way, you've changed this yard. This mm. yard is no longer the same since you've been here. And that really is my personal motivation is, you know, it's, it's great. Like organizing a TEDx event is, is a gift. And I, I, it's one of my things that I adore, I adore, excuse me, everyone, all my friends, my family, everyone in my life knows that Tuesdays are sacred because Tuesday, Tuesdays are a day we go inside and I will not miss it for anything inside for TEDx because we ran now run five programs inside and I, I won't miss it. I just won't miss it. So back so up a second. Yeah. Do you do one in each of the five of the seven yards now? No, because, because of the involvement that it takes and because what we've seen, the reason why this guy, I believe the reason why this guy has said that um, the yard is different since, you know, since we've been there is because we have actually never, ever, missed a Tuesday since December 20th, 2016. Wow. Even when that Tuesday falls on July 4th on Christmas day or new year's day, as it did this year, we were there on every single one of those days. And, um, and it is that continuity. Is it, that it's that constant presence that has provided um, the space for the men, both in the program and beyond to several things. One trust in their worthiness. Because heck, we're there on Christmas Day. We're not spending Christmas with our families because we're spending Christmas with our family in blue. And um, so, one, it's a huge testament and a huge, you know, element of their their worthiness increases their confidence. It 
but you know, the journey from dark to light for anyone who's been on it, which, you know, most of us are on, on that journey. It's one that's full of moments of light and moments of dark. And, and these guys have some really dark moments. And, and so for us to be there all the time enables that, you know, to be there when it, when it's, when they're in light and to be there when they're in dark. And, and so one of the things that was important to me that I made clear the administration from the beginning, and I, I really appreciate because they really trust this about our program, is often when, when, when people have, for example, rule violations, um, they have to, they, they're no longer allowed to program. And, and we have asked that the men be continued to be able to program with us because that's when they need the greatest support. It's when we fall that we need the, the net to raise us up. And, and we tend to do the opposite. We tend to push people that are down, and especially in prison. And so I would say that's what makes our event, our, our event the most unique, is that we've had this ongoing, never-ending um, program around it. And, and, the, and the event is reoccurring as well. Um, and, and, and that's why bringing it to the yards has been a challenge, because it means replicating that ongoing ongoing um, program because the intent isn't to create events. The intent is to break the cycle of violence. So that's on person on, on group number one, the men in blue, the group number two, um, which is the people come that come from the outside. Um, uh, the, the response has been resounding and I'll give just two data points on that. One is as you know, Mark, all, um, all TEDx events receive a net promoter score um, at the end of their events. Yep. And, you know, 30 is considered to be a solid event, 50 or, you know, at least in products of so 50 is a fantastic product. You're, you know, you have a super strong NPS if you have 50 or more. 75 is beyond, you know, most people's dreams and it's only the Googles and Apples of the world. Well, our NPS score was of 100. Wow. I'd not heard it broken down. First off, congratulations. I'd not heard it broken down because I don't really live in that NPS world. I do. Um, you know, I know you do. <laughs> exactly. My past so life is that. So when we got a 91, I was pretty happy, but I didn't realize that I, I could have been happy with a 50. Um, oh, yeah. A 50. C- companies, because an NPS is to measure your, your, your products, you know, um, how much your, your customers are, are enthralled with your product. And a 50 is it's an extremely strong product. No kidding. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, congratulations. I mean, a hundred is so the, how you know, I've got 800 questions, <laughs> but I want to go back to, you said there were four audiences, the men in yeah. blue, the, then the, the guests, then the, the speaker and the crew and those 50, who's the fourth audience? The fourth audience is administration in the system and the greater, the greater society, greater community, the rest of us. So that's why I'm almost out of the fifth of the rest of us. And, and I actually, you know, I would separate administration and the rest of us. Um, but yeah. So, um, have you seen and, a change with the administration? Cause I've got to figure they're pretty hardened as well. I mean, right. It's, you know, um, it's where the beautiful gifts lie. Our second event last year, um, we had, okay, so we talked about the men in blue, and then we have the people in green. <laughs> it's, the, prison is, the prison is full of colors. People in green are all the correctional officers. Oh, got it. 
And, um, and so, uh, and so last year we had a conversation about, should we have someone in green on, on their stage? And it was actually a, pr- a big debate. And again, lots of stories around that where, um, you know, we had a very big debate around it. We were about to vote. Um, and, and it's again, the men in blue voting, it's their decision. And, and we had the little pieces of paper, they were going to write yes or no, should we allow someone on green on their stage? And we had someone picked out and, and one of the guys stops and says, Mariette, question. You always say this is our event. And I, I had been clear about what my choice was and, or what my preference was and, um, and my reasons for that. He's like, you always say this is our event. If we, you know, are you truly going to honor the choice that we make right now? And I swallowed my pride and swallowed my ego and said, yes. And, um, and, and the yes passed by one vote. And, um, and, and, you know, but I was ready to go back to the ward and then say, by the way, uh, no go. <laughs> and, and, and I think that's, um, that's again, what's given us respect with the men, but also respect with the administration. The warden, um, was, didn't follow this process at all. I had actually never met him until that first event. And, um, and he shows up at the first event and we, um, you know, we had expected him to stay for the talks, but he actually stayed for the whole day. And when it came time to the se- second TED expression, the one that's back in the room with the pods in this big, huge room, um, the, the warden's standing there and, and watching the whole thing go by. And, and I'm not that far away. And he, I, I, I don't remember this moment. I, I can re- recount it because I heard the warden after, this, after the first event, we tell it to people like five different times. I'm like, wow, this really like moved him and, and changed him. So he, told, he afterwards tells the story of how we're, we're just standing there, not together. You know, I'm doing my thing. He's doing his thing. And one of the guys comes, of our core team comes up to me and says, hey, Mariette, there's a problem. And again, I don't remember this problem. Like, there's a problem, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, what should we do? And I ask him, well, your event, what do you want to do? And he offered up a solution. I said, sounds great. And he went off and did it. And when the warden recounts the story, he's like, never are the men given that kind of choice. It's like, I've never seen that in prison before. And, um, and so that definitely changed him. And, you know, I've seen shifts in the COs too. Uh, and the COs will never, I shouldn't say never, that's, let me take that away because that's not true. But the COs, I think, are conditioned and trained to not show their emotions, not show what they're feeling, um, create a very strong boundary between them and the work that they do. And so, um, so we don't get emotional responses from CEOs. Um, but, but we see the changes in the way that they respond and they, like they, they're, they're kinder to us. They're more open to us. They'll bend over backwards for us. Um, there's things that, that they do without us even asking where other programs struggle to have them do it when they ask 10 times, like little things like that, you know, and it comes from a place that when you respect someone, for who they are, you know, it's an invitation for them to respect you back for who they are. And everything that we do is based on that hum- common humanity that we have, which by the way, is a term that the first core team came up saying they want this event to be for the common humanity, which is why there was going to be half speakers from the inside, half speakers from the outside, half audience from the inside, half audience from the outside. That was their choice. We wanted to make a different choice, but they made that choice because of the the common humanity they wanted this room to be about. I um, 
uh, again, my mind is reeling over just all. I, I tend to go. I'm as a producer. I tend to go to all the tactical stuff. But I've, <laughs> I've enjoyed this conversation, which is really about the why, which is is a bigger thing. The the how is you know, yeah, okay, it's challenging. But the why is so the the why for. Um, oh, by the way, listener who doesn't know what a CO is, a CO is the correctional officer. So the men in green that uh, Mariette uh, explained. Um, the the why is is such a strong thing to get in touch with as an organizer, and to be able to communicate to your team so that the team has a why and the audience has a why. Why am I going to give you a day of my precious time to come and do this thing? In your case, it's oh, and get a uh, you know a pat down search. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all, all of those kinds of things. Um, were there, you know, with, with TEDx, we, you know, we're, there are pretty firm guidelines on, around topics we need to stay away from uh, for, all the, the, for all the reasons we all understand and we all live within that. Um, did you have an additional layer of topics that you had to stay away from? Or you, you by... Um, and, and and I'm not going to say by decree, but by agreement, you said, let's not go there. So, um, so it, it's the things that make complete sense. So first of all, in prison, there's very strong rules around um, glorifying violence, glorifying a life, uh, a criminal behavior, cr- glorifying crime, um, uh, you know, anything of that nature, of course, is completely out of bounds. Um, anything, um, you know, again, that idea of glorification of gangs or, or, or showing any kind of affiliation and, and support or, 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 you know, for or detriment against another gang is, is completely disallowed. Um, and, and those are just prison rules. And on top of that, they're very logical humanity sure. rules. So, so, um, so that the, the, those aren't hard, um, in any, by any stretch. And, and the fact of the matter, none of these are hard. And so, so that, that goes without saying, um, then, you know, there are some topics that are more touchy and, but, you know, what our idea has been, again, um, growth doesn't come from comfort and TEDx in my, for me, stands for growth. These are ideas we're spreading. It's about expanding our mind, expanding our hearts, expanding our spirits. And, and we do not grow in comfort. And that's one of the big tenets of our core team. And this is where our, our, our core team has been phenomenal. They actually embrace that tension that shows up. And, uh, and when, when that, when, when tension shows up, it's, it's, it's amazing how it happens now is the men step into it, honor the differences that exist between them, listen to each other. And I I truly mean that, like we, from the outside walk out of there and we're like, what just happened? This never happens in our boardrooms, in our team meetings, like never do you have this kind of listening and respect of each other that these men have grown into doing and allowing themselves and supporting themselves in. And when tensions come up, which they do because we're human and like there's room for that tension to build and they themselves help the people or persons that have got that kind of have gotten elevated to, they hold space for that person to come back down. And, um, and so, so again, you know, you, you talked about the tactical, that is the tactical. 
you know, how are you meant to work in a team? Like that's, that's how we work in a team is, is making it that, that we, you know, that, that we have an environment that we can safely, you know, work together in our differences. And so, so those, you know, so, so the topics in addition, what we really try to make sure is that we are being sensitive and, and safe for everyone. And, um, and so, and again, this is prison. These are men who have hurt, deeply hurt people. And, and the thing we hold a ton of space for is that hurt, that pain, because that's the biggest thing that we're here to help, you know, alleviate. We break the cycle of violence by, you know, okay, I, on a collective basis, we break the cycle of violence by igniting, helping people see their own brilliance they have inside them and then helping them to bring that to the world because that brilliance is naturally going to be something that, that is going to you know, be coming from a place of love, coming from a place of peace, coming from a place of connection. And within each of us, it's the same journey. It's can I love that hurt inside me? Can I honor it? Can I accept it so that I can move through it and come out the other side? And that's the journey the men are such beautiful examples on is that journey of going through the pain and hurt that they themselves have experienced and that they've created to then come out liberated on the other side. And that's where their examples to us. And that's where I think their TEDx talks are the most powerful is when they get to be extremely vulnerable about the, the journey that they've been on and, um, and, you know, and has that triggered people um, and, you know, and, and, and in particular victims, yes, it has. And I hold so much love for them every day because, you know, because they deserve to re- get relieved of that hurt too. And so that's where we're learning how to, you know, you know, be a support to everyone in this process. And, and that's where the administration has a critical role to play because they know those dynamics they know the the you know where where the boundaries are on on these different topics. They know the the people that um, you know they 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 have relationships with the victims, and so so we we've we've learned from that, and we've greatly deepened um, the the request we have of the administration on that on those pieces to ensure that it remains safe. Because as I've said from the beginning, that's our number one thing. Mariette, this this conversation. Um was exactly what I would hope I hoped it would be uh, to uh, a deep dive into the the motivation and the understanding and um, I'd love you to drop me a note afterwards with some of the talks that you feel are the ones that um, that I could share with the with this um, podcast uh, for people to 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 watch to get a sense of this what what evokes that it's kind of like saying which is your favorite kid um, I'm not allowed <laughs> I know, I know. I totally get that. That's super, super hard, but um, I, I know you'll make the effort. Um, I also appreciate the image that you've selected to uh, accompany the show because it, it's um, when people see it, I, I loved that the hands were up um, and people will know what I mean when they, when they look at the image that, that really spoke to me a lot. Um I I can't I I have I threw away all my normal questions and listener <laughs> I hope you totally get it that what what we listened to was way more important than than my questions. However, I can't not ask you uh, my signature question, which is about the best hack. 
So that the hack was the thing that you did. And in your case, let's, let's frame that to say um, that this hack and hacks can't cost any money. They're, they're about being clever and innovative. Um, The hack that you did that was um, really changed everything. If you could think of one thing. Um, hands down, hands down. And, and it's funny because, you know, oh, it's not a hack. Well, yes, it is. Because without this, it would have been, I would argue, nearly impossible to organize the, the wildly successful event that we, we have and that we've done now successfully several times. Um, it's to ignite and honor the brilliance of each individual that's on the team, that unique brilliance, and to honor that brilliance for its uniqueness for its humanity, for its completeness, just as it is. And that to me is truly the best hack because that's when people show up and ignite and become the, the absolute strongest, most powerful, most invigorating, most generous versions of themselves. And if I can finish with it, just quick, one quick story of the manifestation of that. Um, so we started working with the, 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 for that first core team on, on December 20th. And um, so five months and a day later was our event, May 21st of 2017. And, um, and so the event takes place in, in, in our closing circle. Uh, you know, and during the event, of course, the speakers are very visible. Some of the core team members had had visible roles like MC or what we call the logistical host or the meet and greet people and or walk and talk people. And, but most of them had been quite invisible. And so uh, in the, when we did the closing circle, one of the things I did is I called in the core team to, to get acknowledged for the work they did, the just tireless work that they've done. And again, a reminder, this is a multiracial group of men, um, tough guys, you know, some are gang members, um, tough dudes who are inside prison where there's rules around, you know, interracial engagement and even acknowledgement, much less like being sh- showing any kind of weakness. And these guys, uh, these tennis guys came into the center circle and spontaneously fell into a group hug. Mm. And I still get chills when I think about it mm. because that was so counterculture. They're in front of a hundred of their peers, the people that they're going to go back on the yard and, and live with, with all those dynamics and politics and things going on. And, and they, they fell into this group hug all together and just stood there for, I don't know, seconds, maybe not quite a minute, but it, for a long, long time, a scene that brought the director of mental health to tears because she'd never seen that kind of cohesion in, in, a, in, in, in a multiracial, multidiverse group inside prison. And that's because of that hack. Mariette, that was, uh, that was beautiful. I... I could. I closed my eyes for a second and imagined standing in that circle. Um, we have a similar thing, not not at our TED, but in a, any event that we do, where we we call it favorite frames. But it's the okay. same thing. I like the expressions. That's a that's a great way to frame it. Um, thank you so much uh, for spending the time with us this morning to you, um, help everyone uh, get a, a, another sense and reconnect with their why. I think mm-hmm. that's the the my big takeaway because my team is always like, why are we doing this? And you say it, but when you get to listen to uh, 45 minutes of very, very well put together uh, thinking and logic um, 
and you didn't, I, I appreciate that you didn't let any of the obstacles stop you from your mission. You know, you're, you're, and, and the every Tuesday, uh, whether it's uh, Christmas or, or New Year's or uh, the, that you are, this is truly selfless service. Uh, that you, it's a thing that you can bring your passion and energy. And from what I can tell, you have a deep understanding of the challenge as well. It's not, hey, let's go do a show in the prison. And there's, <laughs> there was, there was a, a deeper, you understood how this platform could help. And, um, you know, I'm going to, uh, I think that, that Chris Anderson would be very proud to know that this has happened and where the, as we in 2019 look at the uh, 10th anniversary of TEDx and the whole idea of going from a cloistered community that we were 25 years ago when I first started going to TED to uh, having a TED inside a prison and, and profoundly affecting everybody, not just, it was like everybody was profoundly affected. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you so much for, for sharing all that on the show. Well, thank you, Mark, for having me and, and, and for, you know, seeing the light in this journey because uh, that's that's what we're here for. And and thank you for everything that you do for this community because you do a lot in this podcast included. It's a wealth of information for everyone and anyone who, who um, either is or wishes to organize a TEDx event. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Behind the Scenes at TEDx Santa Barbara. To be sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to our newsletter. We produce a new show each week in the run-up to our event on September 8th at the New Vic Theater in downtown Santa Barbara. Information about our speakers, tickets, partners, and volunteering is available at TEDxSantaBarbara.com. We're looking forward to seeing you in September. September.